0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, let's start off uh, this week with uh, where we kind of left off last week, is if that's okay. We talked about Sabbath last week, and we talked about taking a day off. And I'm just curious. Look around and see if you can find someone uh, or notice someone that's not here today that took our message last week literally and are not here. Just think about it. Like, look around. Like, who's not here? There's someone that's sitting in your section that you're like, huh, where did they go? They took this literally. And if you're online and you're watching, that's not what we meant, right, (laughs) and of us thought about Sabbath this week taking a day off, and I hope that you took one out of seven, and maybe today, you being here this morning is your Sabbath, and part of that was to be in the presence of God, and we know that, and uh, we just believe that when we take a day off, we're going to be better. One commentator, uh, there was so much material last week that we were going to do two weeks on Sabbath, if that's okay, but one commentator I, I had looked up last week and wanted to add it in this week, is said that... When you take a day off, it's a day to reevaluate, refocus, reenergize, rejuvenate, and recalibrate. And I love that. And I thought, you know what? When we do these things, uh, it refreshes us, doesn't it? And how many of you want to be refreshed on a regular basis? No one wants to walk around with their head down. And no one wants to to walk around feeling defeated or worn out or tired, right? We are God's children. And what we learned last week is that a day off is God's gift to mankind. It's a gift. It's like, here you go. Take it. It's for our own good. It's like physical laws, you know, the law of gravity. It's good for us to understand it and to participate. You know, we don't want to just be like jumping off mountains, right, or, or, you know, doing weird things where gravity is going to take over and it's going to hurt us. The same with moral laws that God gives us. They are for our benefit, right? So if you dishonor your mother and your father, how many know that doesn't work, at least not long term? Come on, are you with me? If you commit adultery, whether Old Testament, New Testament, interpretation, either way, that doesn't work long term. You can hide it for a little bit, right? If you lie, it does not work long term. And if you don't Sabbath, it will not work out well for you as well. In fact, last week we said, if you don't Sabbath, Sabbath will be imposed on you. It's not will you Sabbath, it's will you have a happy or a sad Sabbath. Happy being going back to that refreshing, you know, rejuvenating. uh, Sad Sabbath would be, you know, a nervous breakdown, a heart attack, sickness. And it's a sobering truth when you let that settle in. See, the goal for us is to Sabbath, right? To live in rhythm, but we've got to be careful not to become legalistic. When we become legalistic like the Pharisees, and we're going to see that again today, it's bad news. And, uh, you know, there were so many things I wanted to share last week, and and I'm glad there were two sections of Scripture in Mark that talked about Sabbath so we could kind of take a couple weeks on this. I think it's so important. I went back to some notes that I had taken years ago when I was preparing for my sabbatical, which the church allowed my family to participate in. And there were two ideas that kind of re- were refreshed in my mind. That I want to bring us, uh, bring to our attention, and they relate to Sabbath and Sabbath rest. And the first, well, they're they're both super helpful, but the first one is this idea that there needs to be a combination of praise patterns, and play. Now, this is not original with me. I'm not smart enough to put three P's together. But um, someone, I couldn't remember where I found this, but praise, patterns, and play. And let me just talk about these briefly. And and this is kind of review from last week. We talked about the praise. That was kind of that section. Like, we needed to rest. We need to rest in the presence of God. We need to delight in His presence, right? And there's a strength that comes when we're here on Sundays or when we're driving. Down the road, and we've got the worship music on, or we're sitting at home with a cup of coffee, just in the presence of God. And we also, when we talk about praise, we want to remember the resurrection. We want to remember what Jesus has done for us, and we want to spend some time in Scripture, in worship, and meditation. And I just want to say, you guys are here. If you're here, you're trying it. You're you're doing it. We're praising the Lord this morning. You're on your way, but that's not all that Sabbath is. Sabbath also reflects patterns that God has given us as an example. We said last week that that the Lord, he modeled Sabbath and then he commanded it. It was set by God. And there's verses in Scripture that say we should be imitators of God, right? We should follow his example. And he shows us how to do life. And it's so important for us to get our mind around that and because rest is for us, but it's to Him. And we need patterns in our lives that bring us into those moments. We believe that it's for your benefit to work six days instead of seven. You can do more in six days than you can in seven. And it's a spiritual principle that if you don't, if you're not a believer, you may not agree or you may not understand this. But according to scripture, six is better than seven in regards to work. And the idea is just like a tithe, we can do more with 90% than we can with 100%. And again, on paper, it doesn't make sense, but it's a supernatural, spiritual thing. And so I want to just encourage you, when we look at the patterns of our lives, the rhythms of our lives, we don't want to become legalistic, and we'll talk about that today, but we want to put these things into practice. You need to try it. And then play. I love that. And this was fun because we can enjoy the presence of God, can't we? And when we talk about play, we talk about enjoying the blessings that God gives us. And it's really rooted in an idea that is really supernatural, really exciting to me, that we, as God's people, we are no longer slaves, We're no longer slaves to sin, of course, but you go back to the story of the Israelites. They were slaves for 400 years. They had 400 years without a day off. And then all of a sudden, they're delivered. They're released. And God says, all right, you're my people. I want you to remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. One out of seven. To enjoy the fruit of your labor to enjoy a hobby, to enjoy something you enjoy you enjoy doing. And, and I want to encourage you that on the Sabbath, you should do something that you enjoy to do. So you need to read a book or you need to go for a walk or you need to hobby, you know, whatever it is, craft. Or uh, last Sunday, uh, I talked about Sabbath, and then one thing I enjoy to do, I went home and it was a beautiful day. How, wasn't it last Sunday, like the most beautiful Sunday? You know, sunny, and I'm like, man... I'm washing the car, and, uh, and someone was like, isn't that work? And I'm like, no, man, I love to do this. You know, I'm cleaning and, and uh, polishing it up and looking, making Jessica's car look good, and, and it's important. And the thing is, with these praise patterns and play, it's the combination of these things that really make Sabbath work. And there needs to be a balance here. If you just show up on, you know, and say one out of seven, I'm just going to just, you know, spend all my time playing and I'm going to forget God or I'm not going to forget, you know, I might do a little work here or there. No, it doesn't work. It's a pattern. It's the pattern is you're know, bringing a combination of these things into your life and letting those things make a difference. And so that was kind of the first big idea for my sabbatical that I wanted to kind of remind us. I wanted to share this last week, didn't fit uh, in the time frame, but uh, there's another thing uh, in regards to Sabbath that is really important that I learned on my sabbatical and it was probably the number one takeaway and the thing that I've shared most after my sabbatical is that when we Sabbath or when we rest God continues the work. This is a huge thing. And and I know that some of you have your copy of Mark. Uh, I want to encourage you that in the side margin, on the side where you can take notes, you need to write this down. When we rest... God continues the work. I think it was John Opeluski in his book uh, that shared about this. And I think, I I went back to look for that book. I can't find the book where I found this originally, or the original source. I think it might be Wayne Cadero. But either way, the the truth of this is incredible. When we rest, God continues the work. And our passage today in Mark speaks to this. And what it does, it's going to help us to not be legalistic about our Sabbath. And if we work our way to to a being legalistic, it, it's not good. The goal for Sabbath is to Sabbath, to rest without being legalistic. And let's just think about it. Who in our story last week and then today, if you've read ahead, who struggled with being legalistic? Who was it? It was the... Pharisees, right? And no, no doubt about it. We talked about the Pharisees and who they were a little bit last week. And they struggled so much with being legalistic that their hearts had turned hard. They're, they were hardened to the things of God. Anything new that came, came along that, that maybe God was doing. They were hard-hearted. They did not have an openness to that. And remember, in their culture, it, that Sabbath was kind of like a badge of being Jew, right? It was a badge of Jewishness, I put in my notes here, which is kind of a weird thing to say. But also, it was for them, it was looking back at creation. It was looking back at what happened in the Exodus uh, where, when they left Egypt. But it had become a tradition. It had become ritual. It had become religion, and what did we say a couple weeks ago is that Jesus was not religious, and neither are we, right? Jesus was not religious, and because it kind of went against the grain of their religious ideas, it caused opposition. And I would say it caused a lot of opposition. And there is a lot of opposition in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. When you read the Gospels according to Jesus' ministries, there was opposition from the Pharisees. And in Mark chapter 2, we saw over these last several weeks that, that there was this question, who can forgive sin? And of course, we know that Jesus can. How much sin can be forgiven? There's no amount of sin. That Jesus even saved the worst sinner of them all, Levi, the tax collector. And then there was opposition around fasting. And the Pharisees, the watchdogs, so to speak, of the law, who were self-appointed, had no authority. But what, where did we leave off last week? They were they were talking about working on the Sabbath, and, and they're walking through the grain field, and and uh, the disciples are are working to get the grain, to get the wheat, right? And they're they're concerned about this, and Jesus just says in verse 27 last week, uh, chapter two, verse 27, he said to them this to this to the Pharisees. The Sabbath was made for man, right? That's take a day off idea. Not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And that's kind of where we left things off. And it created this incredible opposition. There was this great tension in the air. Jesus was saying, look, I'm in control of this. You don't have to worry. And what's interesting to me, Is that as there's this tension, there's this opposition, the Lord, he speaks truth. And some get it and some don't. And the truth is this morning, some will get it. We'll walk out of here, change. Others of us, we may not. And my heart is that you will understand this and get it. And we're going to get to Mark chapter 3 here, I promise, in just a minute. But before we do that, I want you, uh, in your normal copy of God's Word, or you can look on the screens, to turn with me to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. And last week I mentioned this in my message, and I and I want to go a little deeper in John chapter five, verses one through eighteen. And we won't we won't read all these verses. Last week we talked about it. The background of this story that we're about to read is really there's this healing pool that, that is in Jerusalem, in Bethesda, and. Blind people and lame, those that were paralyzed, those that were uh, that were down and out, they would hang around the pool. And uh, the story goes that at, at times. An angel of the Lord would stir the waters in this this pool, kind of like I kind of imagine like this big hot tub or something like that. But uh, the water would be stirred, and the first person that would get in the water when the water was stirred, they would be healed. Kind of a supernatural phenomenon that would happen. And and the Lord was with that and kind of around that. And and that's where we kind of pick up the story. Let's start in verse 5. It says, one who was there, so one of the people that would sit around and kind of wait for the water to be stirred, had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years this guy had struggled in some way. We don't understand exactly what his conditions were. It says, but when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in this condition for so long, for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? An interesting question from Jesus. Sir, the man said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Let's pause there for a second. This is an incredible story. You stop right there, and you're thinking, wow, is there anybody in the room that has a negative thought around what just happened, what Jesus did for this man? Any Pharisees in the house? Let's just see. Anybody, you know? Well, the Pharisees were there. And look at the response of the Pharisees starting again in verse 9. It says, The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Uh oh. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Get your mind around this. This guy had been laying on a mat for 38 years. Jesus heals him. He's restored. And they're worried about him picking up his mat, carrying his mat. Anybody want to punch the Pharisee in the face? (laughs) Come on. Like, come on. Like, this is ridiculous, right? But it goes back to what we talked about last week the 613 commandments. And I, I read those. Not this week again, but last week. There's laws about everything. And it goes on and on and on and on. And they're saying, look, the letter of the law. You cannot carry your mat. Who told you this? And, and look what it said. He, so he replied, the man who uh, made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Again. Again. This is crazy. This story just blows your mind. Jesus has a few choice words. You can read those. uh, But let's pick it up again in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And in his defense... He said to them, I want you to highlight this in your Bible if you're uh, walking with us or, or make a note of this in your Mark journal uh, to Mark, or to Mark uh, John chapter 5, verse 17. It says this in his defense My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So the idea here is that Jesus never sleeps, He never slumbers. He's always watching. He's always caring. He's always available for us. When we call on the name of the Lord, he hears us. He's never far away. Isn't that incredible? And that's what Jesus is saying here. And then for this reason, verse 18, they tried all the more to kill him. Really? Not Only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. What's happening here is it number one? There was a this is not one hundred percent a messianic claim. So Jesus is saying, "Look, I'm the Messiah, I'm the King, I'm the one who's going to restore, I am the Savior, uh, no doubt about that." But also in this little message, especially when you tie it to verse seventeen we see the truth, and this is kind of the big takeaway for today, is that when we rest, God continues the work. Now, to Mark chapter 3. I told you I'd get there, and you're like, that's the longest introduction ever. Well, don't worry. We're going to make our way through this, and we won't, it won't take us forever, but uh, Mark chapter 3. So with the backdrop of John chapter 5, the backdrop of last week of of the disciples, and Jesus saying, You know, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, Um, the Sabbath was made for man, take a day off, all of those things. Verse or chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Again Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. Now I don't know if you've ever known someone that's had a withered hand. I had a friend back in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, his name was Tim, and he uh, had a withered hand. I think it was it was uh, he had a mild was it cerebral palsy, um, and and so he he was a young man, and we actually uh, spent a lot of time together. We mountain biked together. Uh, we he was a college graduate. He worked at a small. Um, uh, in a small city, kind of like Grand Haven, about the size of Grand Haven, and he was an editor. He was a writer for them, and so this guy, he was, you know, successful and, at his own right. Uh, but he had a shriveled up hand, and it could only use one hand, and then can, could kind of, uh, uh, you know, do some things with his other hand. But but it, there was definitely some limitations. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, maybe this guy in this story was, you know, kind of like Tim. And I was th- mentioned that to Pastor Bob, and he's like, uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the truth is is in that day. someone that would have had a shriveled hand, especially with the type of work that, you know, agriculture and and things like that. This guy probably was a beggar, was probably sitting at the door of the synagogue asking for money, and that's how he would have made a living, things like that. But either way, this guy here, he's probably an outsider. He probably couldn't work. He probably needed people to help support him. And that's who's uh, at in verse 1, who's kind of described here. And it says, and they watched... Jesus. That's the Pharisees. That's the watchdogs, all right? They're the ones nitpicking Jesus, watching every single thing he did. So and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Again, this is not the first time Jesus has healed on the Sabbath. We looked at John chapter 5, earlier in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, Jesus was healing even on the Sabbath. And knowing this, and Jesus knowing everything, we can look to verse 3. It says, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And so he calls the guy with the withered hand out. He says, you know, kind of exposes him. says, hey, come to me. And I'm telling you, when I read this, I'm thinking, this is the this guy's lucky day. He didn't do anything special to get called out by Jesus. It doesn't say that he had served so much or that he had given so much or that he had prayed more than anybody else. He was just called out by Jesus. And in verse 4, it says, and he said to them. Now Jesus is coming back to the Pharisees, right? Jesus is so clever. Look, he says, is that is, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they were silent. They never answered, the Pharisees. Jesus was so clever, and I like what Wearsby says in regards to that little statement. He says, since evil is at work every day, including on the Sabbath, and we would all agree to that, why should good not be at work as well? Sounds logical, doesn't it? And Jesus, That's kind of what Jesus is saying. And the same is true. Death is always at work, but that, that should not hinder us from seeking to save a life, even on the Sabbath. I love that. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus had the great words to say. He put them kind of in their place. They didn't have a response. They're silent. And remember, their, heart, their hard heart, right? And, and look what it says. It continues. And he looked around. At them, the Pharisees, with anger. Let me pause there. This is a righteous anger, right? The Bible says, when you are angry, do not sin. We know Jesus never sinned, but he certainly got angry at different points. It says, in, he looked at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. A miracle right in the moment. He acknowledges the stubborn heart of the, of the Pharisees, but in Jesus, what he does, he healed regardless of what was happening around. And it was a complete healing, completely restored, it says in the NIV. And you say, wow. And we look at that and we say, Jesus was so good to this guy with the withered hand. And then you, you would think again. Just like in John chapter 5, you would think that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would be rejoicing, saying, man, look at what has just happened. But that's not what happened. Verse 6 says, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him. How to destroy Jesus. You say, well, who are the Herodians? Well, that's a group of of, uh, Jews that were uh, that were aligned with Herod Antipas. And in most cases, people that were Herodians were considered to be dangerous traitors against the uh, the Jews against God's people, but and you say, well, why would the Pharisees start to align with the Herodians? It was because the Pharisees did not have any authority of their own; they had no power, um, and they wanted to do away with Jesus. And they figured, hey, we can connect with the Roman government and uh, to get some things to happen. And that's what they do. And so they immediately go out, and they're working now behind the scenes to destroy. Jesus. That's the first time in Mark that we see that their intentions were to to take Jesus out. The opposition is real. The opposition was serious at this point. And, And the reason the opposition was so strong is because Jesus was answering the question we've been answering or asking, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus was super clear. His claim was that he was the king. He was the Lord of the Sabbath. He was King. He was Messiah, Lord. He was Savior. When we ask who is Jesus, uh, not only was it a messianic claim in all these things that Jesus is doing, but he not only speaks it, but he backs it up by healing, by performing miracles. And, and, And you can take it to the bank, so to speak. And so we know what Jesus is saying. We know who Jesus is according to Mark's gospel. I want to come back though to something we read in John chapter 5 verse 17. It says that my father is always at work to do or to this very day and I am to working. As I sat with this and really wrestled with where did you know God want us to go this morning in regards to the message I wrestled with this idea, like, what is God speaking to us today? Like a rhema word, like, what, God, what are you saying? And I just kept on coming back to this idea that Jesus never sleeps, never slumbers. He's always available for us. And today is the Sabbath for most people. It's Sunday, the day that we celebrate when Jesus was resurrected and we gather together. And, and in North America, we, you know, most uh, believers uh, still uh, honor the Sabbath being Sunday, and we understand that. And my question is, what is God doing today in our midst? Who is Jesus? Well, we know that, that He's a healer. He's the teacher. He was Messiah right? He's, he's, he's explaining. He's the king. He's the one in charge. And he never sleeps, never slumbers. And he's here today to meet our needs. I believe that. That's where the Lord really brought me, and that when we rest, when we take a break, when we come in, and we, and I know some of you just barely got here today, you're saying, man, I, you know, it's been such a week, or, or the week ahead, or whatever. Listen, you're here today. We're in the presence of God, and we are called to rest. And, and when we rest, what is our big takeaway for today? God continues the work. And he's at work today. Why are we here? We're not here out of religion. We are not here out of tradition. We are here to experience the presence of God. And that is what I believe God wants to do. He wants to meet needs this morning. Let's pray. And I'm going to ask the team to come. Lord, we thank you that you are at work. Lord, we thank you that you never sleep, you never slumber. Lord, we thank you that you are on the throne. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, we want to just partner with you. And Lord, we know that uh, this life is not easy. There are things in this life that can get us down. There are things in this life that can cause us grief, cause us pain. But Lord, We know that you're the Lord of the Sabbath. You're the Lord of all. You're Lord over my circumstances. No matter what we're facing. And God, we want to rest in that truth. Bible makes it very clear that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. I get that. Uh, You understand that. We know it doesn't take anyone to convince us of that. But if you're here today and your sins have not been forgiven, Or maybe at one time you served the Lord and and it's been a long time, uh, but you're coming back to Jesus and you're saying, man, I need to surrender. I need the Lord to forgive me again. Uh, I'm just going to ask that you would just, in a a moment of honesty, just you and the Lord, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. Who's here this morning saying, man, I need Jesus to save me? I want you to think of the greatest need of the people that you work with. People in your neighborhood, your family members, your schoolmates. The greatest need anyone has is for their sin to be forgiven. Unless I miss it, there were no hands this morning for service, and that's okay. But I want you to just continue Head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think about the needs in your life. The family situation that doesn't seem to get any better, no matter what you do. Or maybe the sickness that has plagued your family or your body. Maybe it's a financial situation where you've got yourself in real pickle and you're not sure how to work your way out or maybe there's an addiction that's gripped your life and it's got a hold on you this morning I don't know what needs there might be in a room like this but I want us just to think about this guy with the withered hand think about the guy in John chapter 5 who for 38 years laid on a mat. And just think about how stuck they were. And you may feel stuck this morning, but this morning I have got good news. The Lord is stirring the water. God is at work place he never sleeps he never slumbers and I want you to know that it's not the amount of work that you do that will qualify you for God to move in your life it's not your giving or your reputation it's strictly the sovereignty of God and I believe that God sovereignly wants to work in your situation If you're here this morning and you have a need that you are desperately needing God to move in that circumstance, I'm going to ask that you would just boldly just stand right where you are. And it could be a marriage issue. It could be a work issue. It could be anything. But if you have a need, you're saying, man, I've got a need. I need the Lord to move. Would you just stand right where you are? Yeah. Absolutely. You say, man, I I need a miracle, and it could be a long-term thing. You'd say, man, that I prayed before. Do I do? Do I stand again? Listen, you do what the Lord tells you to do. If if you're here and you're saying, man, I need God to move in my life, I just want you to know that the Lord is stirring. He wants to meet you right where you are today. I believe that deeply. Today's a Sabbath. We should rest in His presence, follow His rhythms, find some time to do something we enjoy. And when we rest, God, He's at work. If you're standing, I'm going to ask that you would just move and come forward and find yourself at the altar, and I know that might be a bold step for some of you, but I'm just going to ask that you'd be bold and just trust the Lord in in this, and trust me as your pastor, and uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Lord to meet your needs, and just like Jesus told the man, come on, come on forward, right, look what it says, it says there, it says, says, come here, (laughs) and your pastor is saying, come, come in close. I believe God wants to minister in touch. He knows right where you are. Is there anyone else that needs to be here at the altar before we pray, before we spend a take a step forward. Uh, Everyone that's at the altar, just kind of nice and close. I'm going to talk to the rest of you. In fact, if you could just stand, everyone else. The Lord, I believe, in this moment, wants to use you, the body. I'm going to ask that you would uh, come forward and stand behind uh, some of these that are here. And let's just make sure everyone that came forward stepped out in faith has someone just to kind of rally with them. Uh, That's going to mean a lot of you. And so come on, just move. We want you to come. And uh, yes, come on. Don't stand there saying, oh, someone else, I want you to come. If you're feeling led, uh, step on out. And let's just put our arms or our hands on their shoulder. If you know them, you you can uh, let them know that you're there. And what I want us to do is I want us to begin to pray. sleeps, who never slumbers, that he's stirring the water and he's working on your behalf. Let's just do that all across the in front of the place here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need another lady to come and uh, slide in nice and close right up here. That'd be great. Thank you. I, I think everyone else has been covered. Hallelujah. Just right where you are, just ask the Lord to use you. Pray, uh, pray a prayer of faith over your friend, over, over our uh, church family here. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're at work, Lord. You're doing it, God. You're working, God. We believe, God. We thank you, God, Lord, that you're stirring the waters, God. And even if it's been a long-term disability, a long-term difficulty, Lord, I pray that in this moment you are working, God. You're changing, you're shaping, you're molding, and Lord, we give you our lives, we give you everything, and Lord, we're asking, God, that you would do the work. Lord, we thank you for this, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, just continue to pray, pray over them, and Pastor Bobby, you can lead us. I'm going to slip down, and I'm going to come and pray as well. Hallelujah. This is a place of prayer. Let's just consecrate this time to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. the Sabbath. Not only did you model it, but you've encouraged us. You've commanded us to partake in it. And Lord, I pray that we would do just that. Lord, that we would rest in your presence, Lord. We'd figure the rhythm of our lives, Lord, into understanding that six is better than seven. Lord, I pray that we would find joy in in peace and just fun and in spending time in your presence lord whether that's our favorite hobby or taking a nap and but lord even more than all of that this morning i pray that as you have met needs here today that you would just continue to reveal yourself continue to help us to put our faith in you. Help us to walk with you. Lord, I pray. And Lord, I pray that we would take what we have to the world that is so lost. I pray that your hand would be with us. And Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, Why don't you turn and greet someone before you leave? God bless you. Thank you for being here. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.